Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just want to ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need the help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help and grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming in Kevin Kelly, a well-known American writer, technologist, and futurist. He is the founding executive editor of Wired Magazine and has authored several books, including Out of Control, The New Biology of Machines, Social Systems, and the Economic World, What Technology Wants, The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future, and his new book, Excellent Advice for Living, Wisdom I Wish I'd Known Earlier. Kevin has also been involved in various technology and media projects, including the Long Now Foundation, a nonprofit organization that aims to encourage long-term thinking and responsibility in the context of the next 10,000 years. So I hope you all enjoyed this wide-ranging conversation I had with Kevin. So without further ado, please welcome in Kevin Kelly. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, man. My pleasure and honor to be here. I really appreciate being invited and I'm looking forward to this great conversation. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for uh, for a while and it's an honor to have you on here. Um, you know, you're a thousand true fans, which I'm sure, you know, millions of people have reached out about that, but it was I read that it's right, right around 2015-ish, I think it was, early 2016 and that that was a time in my life when I was really changing the paradigm of, you know, I was very fearful of doing anything. I had no confidence. I, I just, a lack of a lot of um, even curiosity that I thought I had at a younger age. And that was one of many articles I read around that time of like, wait a minute, maybe I don't have to build the biggest software business on the block. Like you kind of, when you think about entrepreneurship, it is, I said, maybe there's some things I could do to impact the world myself and, and I can grow it. And that really was the catalyst. You know, I started this podcast in 2017. That was one of those, you know, blogs that really helped me think differently. So oh, thank great. you. I appreciate I'm glad it. Glad it worked. So are you um and what role does a thousand true fans now play in your life in well, terms of a thousand true fans? Yeah, well, I think about it a lot of like I don't, you know, sometimes I get and this is actually part of the conversation I want to have with you, you know, even like I've been doing this podcast five and a half years, well over 300 episodes. Like a lot of people might look at that and be like, oh, great job, Brian. That's, you know, you kept consistent. And I believe that at times, but then mm-hmm. sometimes I still like, am I doing enough? Am I impacting in a way? Am I, you know, you always feel like you're never doing enough. And what I realized, I said, I don't, again, I'm not going to impact billions of people maybe, sure. but if I can help a few, if right. I can get, you know, it's the nice text I get, or it's an email here or there, that's enough. And getting people that really believe in it, and I see that they're starting things now, not just because of me, but maybe there's a you know a point there. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it means to me is that to build this community of individuals, right? That's yeah. how I, I kind of think of the word community a lot more recently, I guess. Well, that's really great. Yeah. 
Um, well, I'm glad to be part of your community. Yeah. Well, thank you. D let me ask you this. Obviously, you wrote that. What was that in the mid to early 2000, like 08? Was it did it launch, I think, uh, initially? Yep. How do you think about it differently now than when you wrote it? Um, well, when I first wrote it, the very first draft of it, it was a theory. There was almost nobody that I could find who's actually doing it. Hmm. It was like, I have a theory that this is possible. And of course, this was pre Kickstarter, and there was just the very, very beginnings of the idea of crowdfunding. I think there were a couple who had already started, which I, I investigated and found out. But it was theoretical. And sort of since then, of course, mm -hmm. is that there are many, many people who are actually absolutely doing it this way. And the original set of people who were kind of doing it were moving from already being established with a publisher or a label or a studio or something mm -hmm. and already had kind of an audience built up that way and they were moving it to their they were taking over their own audience but um since then we've seen tremendous numbers of people from the bottom up who start off that way mm -hmm. um and so so i'm more and more convinced that it is a possibility i am also more and more convinced from my own my own efforts with Kickstarter is that it's not for everybody. Uh, it, it's a great place to get started, mm -hmm. just to get started. It's a great way to do that. It may not be where you want to end up or may not be sustainable over the long term in terms of the amount of effort that you have to put into um, managing, cultivating, nurturing those thousand true fans. It's a lot of work. And so... Um, and so that's that's another route which I've seen, and I have close friends who started that way and then moved into the intermediate where they're having the publisher or the studio or the label take on more of it, and they're they're happy to surrender that because, frankly, their their their, their fans got so big that they could afford to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so so I would say, in in short, uh, um, it's it's a great way to start. And you may not want to continue and sustain at that level, but it is possible. Mm. Um, and that is the whole purpose of this, is that it was another option. Yeah. You didn't have to go the big blockbuster hit way. You, there was an alternative way. And there are some people to whom that scale is perfect for them. Mm. And there's others who either can't handle it to begin with or don't want to handle it for the long term. And that's also fine too. How do you think about, I, I kind of want to put, we'll try as best we can because there'll probably be plenty of tangents, but put some guideposts around, again, the whole getting started, but really around kind of the mental part of it, because whether it's confidence or risk assessment decisions. And I thought if we can start with confidence, like this is something that, I mean, I dealt with this all the time. I still do. And I guess I'm curious. Let me ask you a random question to start. Like, when's the last time you didn't have confidence in yourself? Yeah, that's never been a problem for me, even, even as a kid. I just, um, you know, I have. There's lots of genes I have and don't have, and there are lots of genes that I lack. One of them is I don't have the sports gene for some reason. I have no interest <laughs> in sports. I don't have the collector completist gene. Um, I don't have much of a competition-ish gene. And I don't, I don't have lack of self-confidence, even as a kid. Um, so I can't really help in terms of 
of of of of where that comes from and what you need um but i do know that um like anything else we all start at different levels of everything i am never going to be an athlete but i can get better in whatever i'm doing whatever you know with this bicycling you know uh swimming i can get better and that's the same with confidence i think we start at different levels i happen to in that case have a naturally high thing whereas i am completely tone deaf and could not sing anything to save my life but i can get better and so um i i don't know what kinds of exercises i would suggest but i would for for building confidence but i would say like lots of other things you 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 it's a practice it's it's something you practice you practice it in small ways and then that way it gives you the big ways and so whatever little small bits of, of confidence building that you can do um i think you make it into practice you do something on a daily basis there's a great youtube I, i'm a, i'm a huge youtube fan way i mean i have 450 channels i subscribe to is this is my main thing but there's a youtube one i think they're called um yes theory and they teach people to help to say yes to like walk up to a stranger and ask them to do something or to go with you or to join you and they practice this because they're inviting people to take a trip to japan fully paid but they don't know it i mean the piece people they're they're asking don't know it. they're trying to get them this this confidence building on both sides is trying to get other people to say yes to opportunity and themselves to say yes to overcome that um, reluctance we naturally have of walking up to a stranger so that's that that is one maybe extreme example of confidence building um there was another great i think that might have been the same guys where they um they were pe putting people in great big fat suits and, and Hollywood makeup and making them really, really overweight and sort of in some ways um, unattractive. And they were having these people ask very pretty girls out on dates to get their number. And it was this kind of like this confidence thing because you had, and what they were finding out is that even though they outwardly appearance were, were very unattractive this guy had no problem getting numbers from very pretty girls and it was because he just had you know had confidence he just was able to just you know do this and it was this kind of like getting practicing that thing of of, of asking for something small or, or approaching somebody you don't know and just saying hello mm -hmm. it was so, so that's what I know from my own advice is that we all start different levels. We, everybody can get better at whatever it is. And that way of getting better is usually in a kind of a constant reiteration, a practice of it where you are, you're, and, and, and they call it deliberate practice. Deliberate practice is a different thing than repeating something. Mm -hmm. So if you're just playing the piano and you're playing the same thing, the scales again and again, that's not deliberate practice. Deliberate practice is where you are practicing something to the point where it fails, where you can't do it, where you are just at the edge of your competency. And that's how you advance is through deliberate practice.
And so a deliberate practice with confidence would be you, you do something small, but you're constantly upping the game a little bit each time you do it. And yeah. that's how I think most things are improved. And there's a, as you were mentioning that, a couple of points I was thinking about. One is, you know, it's almost reminded me when you were mentioning that stuff around um, like going up and asking the girl out in the fat suit. Right, right, it's, right. it's almost like a trust fall. Like if you did a trust fall over and over and over and you kept getting caught, you would have right. a belief in yourself that there's going to be right. someone there, right? Right, right, So it's, right. it's partly this belief of like, yeah, the rejection's going to happen, but I just, right. I'm confident enough in myself right, to be right. able to go do it. It doesn't matter. Right, 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 right. And so so the way you start it is you don't start by going, asking pretty girl on a date, is that you just start by saying hello and see if you can get a response and see if you have a conversation mm -hmm. for... Right sentence that's the thing it's like i'm gonna walk up to somebody and say something compliment them or you know whatever it is i'm gonna have a conversation and that's the entire goal nothing else and so that's how you 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 start mm -hmm. with with something fairly low and something very comfortable and um what's the word i want um easy and so um yeah and so you 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 do that enough times and then you say well i know at the very least i can have a conversation and um, that's my trust fall. I'm gonna. I, I, that's my fallback. The fallback is I'll have a conversation, and then we'll you know, go from there. Yeah, I like the deliberate practice. I don't know. It remind in like a uh, kind of another life. I was a PJ professional. I used to teach golf, and I always remember working with my students on. You'd have block practicing, right? Hey, hit this seven iron a hundred times and do whatever. But then part of it would be, hey, go out to the golf course, and I want you to try to shape certain shots. Or even like I used to play a game with them called Miss It. I don't know if you're a golfer or not, but uh... Uh, golf is one of the things I am abysmally <laughs> horrible at. And uh, there, there's um, what's the word I want? Um, I, I I dislike it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean because it's so frustrating. Because yeah. it's because it's like um, you have to ha you have to have a certain level of competency yeah. before it's enjoyable, <laughs> and I don't have that level. And so um, it's like, this is total frustration. And I, again, I have, um, this is a diversion, but, but I mean, there's, I'm so bad that I don't want to invest in that time to get better there. I'd rather put my time in investing into something else. So that's fine. Um, again, we don't have to do everything. We have no obligation to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. We have no obligation actually to be good at everything we do. We can do things that we enjoy and, you know, um, that's as far as we go, like, you know, drawing or painting. I can, I don't have to get better to actually enjoy it. So um, that's another piece of advice is not everything has to be perfect to be wonderful, like weddings, right? <laughs> you know, right. so there's lots of things we do. We don't have to necessarily um, get better at, but um, I want to hear the end of your golfing story. So you train, oh. you have different exercises for people to, to help them overcome well some hurt yeah well when you think about like in golf right you're trying to i'm gonna hit the fairway i want to hit the green and what i try to get folks to do sometimes is miss the green so go out and play and try to miss every green uh, because cool. it's a mental uh, it's like well i have to hit the green but then well one it helps you out because if you miss the green then you have to work on your short game to get up and down but right. being able to place the ball, because if I know I could miss it short left of the green and I can place it there, well, then I sure as hell know I could hit it to the back right of the green if I aim correctly. So it just helps kind of the visualization a little bit and gets you, again, something totally different than you normally do. 
And I'm such a, I don't know, I guess maybe this is a slight tangent and even something you said there is like, I'm such a believer over the last few years of being a beginner learner, like try to be yeah. a beginner learner as much as I can. What, what do you think about that? Is that something you try to do often um, to yeah, be able well, to kind of get away yeah. from things? I, I am. I, I try to have one new skill a year that I try to learn and I'm usually starting at the beginning. Um, but, but let me just, before I get that, you said something else, which reminded me of, of a bit of advice that I sh didn't add to the book, but I should um, about procrastination, which is, um, I found that when I am beginning to procrastinate something, that what helps me the most is to decide that the, I have to procrastinate. Mm. It's just, I'm, it's like, I'm not going to do anything for the next five or 10 minutes, mm. nothing. I'm just going to sit here and procrastinate. And leaning into that is like the best cure for procrastination. Because after 10 minutes, like, I just have to, <laughs> I'm going to go do it. It's just so hard to, to, to kind of like sit and literally waste time. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, it's kind of like your, your, your exercise of kind of leaning into the thing that you're failing at. You decide, well, I'm going to fail really, really big this way. I'm just going to really miss it on purpose. Yeah. And um, th that is a great way to learn. So um, beginner's mind, yes. It's really important. And what I know about beginner's mind actually is that it's often, there's actually an ailment of un, unlearning of, of kind of, you know, like, like there's a, there's a technique called um, total, total immersion swimming, which is a way of teaching you how to swim without, which is without any very little resistance. So it becomes very easy. There's a whole stroke and part of half of what it is, is basically telling you how to unlearn the way that you think you know how to swim, hmm. okay? And um, and so that's a large part of the beginner's mind uh, is is often letting go or unlearning or um, overcoming the ways you th think things are, and, and really going back to the beginning, hmm. to to where you, you're kind of like your your Zen mind, you're you're at, you're open to a different way. And so um, I, yeah, I, I, I try and do that. And I am comfortable in, in that way. And, and there's a bit of advice in the book, which says, um, it's actually a lot easier to sell someone. It's hard to tell someone that you can't drive a shift car or that you are um, unable to swim or that you, um, you know, can't uh, can't read, you know, whatever it is, Latin or or something, and so. But it's much easier to tell someone that I'm learning how to do this. Mm. I'm learning how to swim. I'm learning how to drive shift. I'm learning how to um, to do a spreadsheets. And that difference between I can't do something and I'm learning is there are little tiny steps. And so one of the things about it is is that you. Um, I, I, I think people accept and actually admire people who are learning to do things. And so um, learning to weld or I'm learning 3D modeling um, is, uh, I, I, I'm very comfortable in letting people know that I'm just a beginner here and I don't have answers and I don't know and I have no very few skills. And that, um, 
that there's nothing, at least in today's culture, there's there's nothing to be ashamed about that. And people are often very hope, very open to you as a student learning how to do something. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, you know, it's funny. You might laugh at this. I and I have a, a ten year old, and in our in our house, we have the can't is a swear word. If you what was it? What was can't? If you use the word can't. Right. Because I'm like, you can do it. You know, again, we have to rephrase it. We have to have more positivity around it because you could do it. Again, maybe you're not fully skilled with it, but are you practicing? Are you putting right. the time in, right? Right. Um, yeah. And um, then there's unwilling, too. That's another. We use can't often as being unwilling to do it. That's true. Uh, so, uh, like, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't make that birthday party because I'm on a flight somewhere. So that's not really, that's like I'm unwilling to change things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, going back then to the kind of just getting started, having a beginner's mind is is really, really great. And also, uh, I have a bit of advice in this book, which is here, Excellent Advice for Living, which is prototype your life instead of making grand plans, prototype things. And this is absolutely something I wished I'd known when I was younger. This idea that it's kind of directly related to making things, but it's also more grandly related to to, to your life. And the, the, the specific one of like understanding that to make something like a book, I would make prototypes, little tiny versions bound as I kind of explored different designs and formats and um, approaches, knowing that I'm gonna to toss it away. And so you'd make a first draft of an entire book go all the way through. You're gonna throw that away and make another draft. You're gonna do a song, you're gonna throw away lots of, of good songs and on that oh, attempt to make a final song. And if you're making a piece of furniture, I make one out of cardboard first. I make a prototype out of cardboard just to get the scale right, just to, just to make sure, to see if it's the size and is right, to see whether it looks right. And then you make another version out of it, maybe out of scrap wood. And then you make your final version. And those, you're just learning so much. And if you're going to make a business, you prototype the business. You do a little experiment. You set up something for six months. I can see what I can do in six months. And I'll take this amount of um, resources and I'll apply it to here. And it's, it's not the full-time thing. I'm not quitting my day job. I'm, I'm kind of prototyping this to see if the basic idea works. Like, you know, Airbnb guys famously prototyping that with literally that's an air mattress in somebody's home to see if they can get people to, to do that before they commit to it. So there, there's, there's prototyping is really the way to do it. And when I was young, the idea of making something all the way and finishing it and then throwing it away was just was just too much. I, I mean, I thought that that process was like, how can you go all the way and just toss it? But now I understand that that is the way. That's the way to good, great stuff. You can kind of make something all right, but to make something really great, you've got to, keep iterating along the way. And that's, to me, another great lesson about starting out is that you, you, you expect that this is going to be uh, a journey where you are kind of prototyping your way to it and you are 
accepting and tolerating and expecting a lots of things to to fail to not work out to be thrown away even when they work I love that advice because because it gives you a chance to start, but you don't have right. to go all in, all chips in the middle, right? right? You can kind of. I it reminds me. I love one of my favorite stories from like entrepreneurship around uh, James Dyson with the va- vacuum. I think it was over five thousand iterations he had before he actually got to the final product. Right, or you think about Hamilton, the fabulous museum Hamilton, which they workshopped for at least a decade. Where they 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 workshop meaning that they did little bits of it they showed it they 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 appear they got feedback they just reiterated that thing it just didn't appear out of the nowhere first time there are people who become really really good and they are kind of prototyping in their head in some ways they're actually going through that process where they are able to you know like like you know someone who does a film a great you know uh, kind of like you know a thriller or whatever they've done enough of them that they're kind of going through that prototyping process virtually um, so they can release it without workshopping it. But even there, there's versions that are being rewritten. I mean, this is every single film released is sort of a miracle that it gets out. It's really unbelievable how the norm for films is to have near-death experiences to almost not happen to be redone at the last minute. So even, even the things that we see, there's a kind of, um, what's the word, a, a fantasy that they're sort of released in whole, that they're kind of made out of nothing. But they're also all made out of this prototyping um, iterative process. And that's really, in, as far as I can tell, the only way to make something great. I think there's a also another lever, uh, lever I think you can pull in the prototype, and, and maybe you'd go down this path as well, is instead of quitting your job and saying, I'm going to start this business, you might hate doing that after six months. So actually prototyping it and trying is actually a good thing because you don't invest everything in and then you don't like oh, it. The number of people that I know who did things like uh, they decided they wanted to be a lawyer, they went to law school, they graduated from law school, and like in the first month of working as a lawyer they realized that they hated it they never they never did an internship they never did like a volunteer to work at a law office or something to prototype it's like so so yeah i mean that's absolutely true we have lots of ideas of what what we think we like to do and before you commit to it as i said you know um volunteer your time hang around um get an internship prototype it because it may be that the actual day-to-day aspects of it are just not to your liking. And um, you'd hate to kind of commit to that beforehand. Um, lots of people that I know have majors in schools um, and graduate with these degrees, never having really seen what it's like in real life to, um, to actually try and do that job. So um, 100% um, prototype as much as you can. What do you think of when someone says, I can't get started, I don't, I'm not really passionate about this, or I haven't found my purpose yet? When you hear those things, what, what comes to mind? I, well, uh, can't's forbidden. You can't say can't. Oh, that's right. <laughs> when someone, <laughs> if someone's saying that, and saying, I'm not <laughs> well, <I> going <laughs> to. 
um, yeah, it, it's um, so 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 one thing we I mean by the way there's a great book called Atomic Habits by James Clear is absolutely fabulous have them read that about setting up habits but one one thing that helps is accountability is is to to have someone else involved who will help you um, get started and complete the tasks who so you're responsible and there's all kinds of things from a version of consequences you don't like you know if i don't do this then i have to give money to the ku klux klan or whatever it is you know so there are, there are lots of little techniques but i think ha having some accountability can help if you really are struggling with that then getting someone else involved where they can check on you and you can either have rewards or disincentives from um for trying to again get you into a habit because you're trying to make a habit out of it so that's the the short answer is getting started moving forward is a habit and um if you do it in little things then you can kind of take that skill and apply it to larger things so you want to be in the habit of moving forward of doing things and there's so many reasons to do things on a regular basis one is i have in the book this idea one of my regrets is not having more rituals for my our family and rituals are basically as i define anything you do three times in a row is a ritual and you can if you keep doing it it becomes incredibly anchoring for for kids even though they're trivial little things they're pancakes every sunday morning or there's pizza night every friday night with movies it doesn't really matter what it is it's the fact that it's constant and ongoing and dependable and you can rely on it and and, and that kind of reliability is something and consistency is something kids really really crave and really helps their their growth and so um uh that's just a, that's another form of a habit where you you're doing something on a consistent basis whether it's monthly weekly daily hourly and you are um training yourself to 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 uh, making a habit out of this and and getting started and having confidence and all these things can become habits and they can originate with small things small projects small amounts and you get a larger habit by by doing it on a regular basis well, and, and one of the things too, again, X, I think that's a great place to start if you have your habits and also if you remove your bad habits, right? You replace right. them with, exactly. with better ones, right? But like I was having this conversation this weekend with a friend and he was like, Brian, I have all these different interests. I don't know where to start. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's a very common thing. And people say, well, you know, you want to give your passion, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. So, so, so my advice there, and this is born out of some studies that people have done, Cal Newport has a bunch of work on this, which is it doesn't really matter where you start. Does not you pick one at random, pick something and just master it. Become uh, become world class if you can. Be, just decide to master something, and it doesn't matter. And here's why it doesn't matter because where you begin is not where you end up. And anybody that you find remarkable today. Or admire deeply who is some you know high level of success they did not start there their 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 path and their journey is really really very long and twisted there are occasional exceptions to that people who you know from a you know a tiger woods or somebody who's very young age kind of knew what they want to do but 
look at their struggles they have. So it's not necessarily their, their life isn't over. Who knows where they're going to end? So, so um, it doesn't really matter where you begin. Just master it. Become as if you could world class at it. And that gives you the power, the confidence, the platform to begin to nudge your way into things where you are your passion. So you can't really find your passion except through work, except through doing something. Even if it's not the thing you're doing, you can't think there. You can't feel your way there. You can't arrive at your passion through your mind. You have to arrive at your passion through work. And so what you want to be doing is working on something all the time and getting really good. And that expertise will illuminate you, the direction you want to head to. And then you'll arrive, you can arrive at your passion through that work. I, I really love that. It reminds me when uh, Seth Godin was on the first time, he, he mentioned something similar around like everyone thinks I have to have a passion before I start. But the reality is if you become successful, quote unquote, like, right, right. and you build, you know, happiness and fulfillment in the right, project, right, right. you actually get passion. Right. It's amazing how that passion works. Is, yeah. yeah. Passion is sort of a byproduct in a certain weird way. Yeah. Rather than the, the instigator. Yeah. You don't kind of like get, get, you don't kind of like inherit or get contagious or infected with the passion and then perform. You perform, and the passion is a product, a byproduct of that performance. Well, then it goes back to what you mentioned earlier. It, maybe you go all in with something, you prototype it for a bit, and then you decide to stop, and you go yeah. do something else then. Sure. That's fine. You gave it the attempt, and, and you moved on. So it's not a big deal. Exactly. I think we get right. so caught up in, like, I liked your example about the, the um, you know, being a lawyer. It's like, I'm going to go all in on this. I'm going to be a lawyer, and then I'm going to spend the next 30 years or whatever doing this instead of giving a little test run you know, and seeing right. if we even like it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to something and maybe, I don't know if there's a, this will be a dead end or not, but you mentioned about getting started with the prototyping and what came to mind was, especially now, maybe obviously it's probably different than 40 years ago, but the tools that are available, like you mentioned the book, right? I can go to, you know, Amazon's KDB publishing. I can upload a word document and I can print an author copy in you know, today, if I wanted, right, to get that's that, what that's what that, yeah. okay, that, yeah, right, so, like, that, that's one of those things, I guess, the encouragement, and, and I love your thoughts on this, um, where you can share about, we have the tools available, but sometimes the tools become, like, the crutch, like, there's too many, there's too much information, so how much research do you, I mean, and again, I'm not sure if there's an exact answer, but how do you think about, like, in terms of the amount of research to do before you actually jump in, or you a just jump in, and then kind of start figuring out and use some tools after that or both. Of them. <laughs> I think it's, I do both. I think it's kind of context appropriate. Um, so, so there's things at different scales. And so I, so, so um, I, I am generally to answer your question, I am, I am someone who, who, probably um is i'm very cautious so i will probably inspect something from five different sides before i decided to to head in i have never jumped into like water that i haven't already entered into 
I mean, it's like, you know, jumping off of a bridge or something. I would never, ever do that. Uh, or especially if no one else had, or was around me jumping into it. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm generally pretty cautious about things, but that doesn't mean that, it, uh, it only means that I like to, um, think through. In fact, that's a, a kind of a bit of a, what's the word I would say, uh, a weakness of mine is that I will spend like hours and hours trying to figure out a way to save five minutes in something I'm making, right? Like, you know, arithmetic doesn't work. Right. I was just like, I have to, I'm going to figure out some way to make this, to make making this easier. And so I'm just spending hours thinking about how to save a little bit of time and trying to make something, whatever it is. So, 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 so I do, I, I do spend a lot of time rehearsing things. Um, so that's my style, but there are other, if I'm kind of familiar, like making a book. Okay. I've made so many books. I make books all the time. I make several books a year. Well, a lot of them were just privately printed and given away. And um, the making a book to me is just like, I will immediately jump in. I'll just start with that. I, I do like to have an idea, but again, I am prototyping and iterating in a way. So that's, that's one way you kind of jump in as you make something small and get going. Um, but, uh, but um, I, I, I do see some advantage of, of this and other people like my friend, Adam Savage, my gosh, he'll think about it for a little bit. And then again, his way of thinking is to make the thing itself. And I think that's um, very valuable. So there is there is a kind of like rehearsing it. And then there's another way that once you've rehearsed it, then the only way to kind of think further is to actually do. So doing is a kind of, of thinking. And, and by the way, when I write, um, I am writing to figure out what I think. So, so it kind of goes both ways. I, you can think about something to some extent, and then it's like, okay, I've done that. Now, the only way I can think further is I now have to write. And that writing is not, I'm not writing down my ideas. I'm actually writing in order to get the idea. Hmm. Okay. So a lot of that so gets thrown away. That You'll I'm, throw that away, basically? I, I might. But, but the point is, is that it's not that I have the ideas and I'm trying to write them down on paper. I don't have the ideas. It's the act of writing that produces the idea. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. And so um, that's true in making things. It's like you can rehearse it and think it, and you need to do that. And that's very, very valuable. But then you have to leave that, that moment behind and you have to then go further by the actual action, by the action of creating a starting business, run, talking to the customers, whatever it is. And that is where you're going to get the, the guidance, the ideas, the direction is through that actual action well and a lot of it comes down to you, you mentioned earlier like where you're at in life because someone like yourself maybe that's always had confidence and, and you might start a lot of things and you still might think through it but you'll kind of start someone that's never done anything right like again to go i go back the podcast was a great example because like i never did anything really in my right. life in terms of what i would consider starting now i i technically did when i really look back but that was like so hard and i think a lot of people are at that square one Right. And they don't know how to take that first step because it feels yeah. like the, the world is. And I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier about unlearning. 
You almost have to yeah. unlearn a lot of these bad habits, not bad habits, but these things that maybe are not serving you as well as maybe the characteristics right. that you learned growing up, you know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, when I grew up, I didn't have an older brother. There was nobody in my neighborhood to help me because I was a maker. I made, as a kid, I was making, I made, um, model train railroads from stuff I scavenged uh, around outside in the industrial area. I made a nature museum because I read, I got a book in the library about how to make a nature museum. So I made, constructed exhibits and stuff. I was doing that all as a kid with no help from anybody, no, no money, no, no brothers, no kids and older kids in the neighborhood. Um, but that is um, uh, the, you know, being able to take that first step, what you, what, what I found out later on was by hanging around people who were doing this by, by befriending them, by, by surrounding myself with people who were like me, it's incredibly invigorating and incredibly useful and, and some accountability, but also just the, just the role model, just to see people do something I mean, I, I, I've been able to up my game because of the people that, that surrounded, you know, starting something that I was never, like starting a business was like, that was not in my family and not, that was just, that was just not something that was ever thought about doing. But when you start to hang around with people who are doing it, it's like, oh, uh, I could do that. I get it. I, I could do that. Or, you know, people who are, you know, going to travel or something. Again, that was something way out of my experience. But then meeting people who were doing, oh, yeah, I can go to India. I just, I bought this ticket and whatever. It's like, what? You can do that? So um, I think that's another thing that I would suggest is hang around with people who are doing it. And that, those role models will be, and, 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 and just even discussing to see their own struggles, to see what they're doing. You'll realize that it's, entirely something you could handle as well. Would you also agree with, um, I guess, I mean, I kind of call it like a virtual mentor. I, I was listening to your, your interview with Tim Ferriss uh, that, that you had, and you were talking about how you'll like geek out on YouTube. I know you said you like YouTube a lot. Yeah, yeah. And you'll like watch all these videos of people creating, but that's technically a way, if you can't meet someone oh, yeah. that you could potentially learn too, right? And maybe get Oh, some. yeah, yeah. YouTube is just really great in that way in terms of, I think, inspiring people, whatever it is. You want to travel or backpack light. And these are some of the ones I follow. How to do it, how to get inspired to, to see people who may not be any more gifted than you, maybe even less gifted, are able to to accomplish these things, um, you know. Um, so, so, so that is a good substitute, but it's not a full substitute because you really do want to surround yourself with the people that you want to become. You know, that's one of my bits of advice in the book: is don't work for somebody you don't want to become. Hmm. All right definitely surround people that you that you admire and would like to be in there's just so much that you learn from them in terms of like how to deal with failure just to see how they react to it the proper way to, to failure is to see it as teaching you something and to um take it as a lesson um but you want to see that in action because it's that's easy to say it's very hard to actually do and um, uh, so, so yeah, so YouTube 
particularly for specific skills is really good, but just in general, just seeing how people, and sometimes they will, they will talk about how they got started and what they were doing and how difficult it was. Um, and it's also really good because it does show you um, some of the possibilities of what you can do. That's the reason why I like it is, is that it's, it's right now it's continually opening up where people see other things and they share it and there may be something there that's just right for you that you would normally not ordinarily see, like whether it's a skill, a particular talent, a particular direction that your own makeup and abilities and experience suggest. And so, um, so I see it as the, as the possibility universe, university of possibilities where it's, it's kind of exploding and presenting whatever it is, maybe it's tie dyeing, maybe it's, you know, it's um, van life, who knows what it is. But if you kind of allow yourself to, 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 to explore, um, there might be something that, that resonates with you. And do you recommend, you know, if someone, let's say they don't have anyone in that, in their group right now, that's right. doing that. Do you recommend just cold emailing folks? Do you, is there any like advice about how do you get those people in your life? To, to be able to right yeah um, yeah i mean uh i was thinking much more of something physically something that, that could be around there are again um there are whatever the the interest is there's going to be a meeting of those people at some point face to face go to one of them meet some of the people and and hang out and see what's happening um then if you become friends, you could, you know, go to their place, whatever it is, and see them in action. But I don't care what it is, whether it's, um, you know, um, crocheting, whether it's quilt making, whether it's uh, saltwater jellyfish raising, whatever it is, sooner or later there will be. So you want to find out what it is, if there's a mailing list, if there's, um, so, so yes, you could call cold email somebody if you're polite. It's really hard to resist that if you're polite. That's one way. But one of the things you may be asking is if, if there's a list that you could join or wh where to hear about what's going on. And that's and then go. That's a little step forward. That's something that may be hard. Maybe it's something you can afford if it's not too far away. Um, I remember I, I, I was desperate to kind of connect with the... Um, the emerging software thing in like, so 1982, maybe I took an overnight Greyhound bus to New Orleans. I was in Georgia at the time um, to attend like the first software conference ever, because I really kind of wanted to be there and I didn't have much money. Um, but, you know, I got there and I got to meet some people that I had heard about and through that connection. Eventually I wound up at a job that I wanted. Um, just because I knew that there was something going on and, and there were all the kind of people in that field would be there together. And that was one way of starting to, to connect with that community, to use the word that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's always a community. Yeah. I think get out there and, and, and that's also getting yourself out of that comfort zone and branching out. You can't just stay sure. in a cocoon. You got to get out there and, and meet some folks. Yeah. What, uh, as we kind of wrap up the conversation today, is there, you know, think about what is there over like 400 pieces of advice in, in your book, yeah. right? 450. 
Is there one that you would maybe that people a lot of people haven't asked about or haven't brought up, but you think is maybe extremely relevant to end our conversation on that you would encourage folks to maybe think about you know more deeply? Well, there's a couple that that I think might be pertinent. One is um, a bit of advice from the book, excellent advice for living is is that um, the thing that made you weird as a kid could make you great as an adult if you don't lose it. So your weirdness in some ways is maybe one of the most valuable things about you, what you're doing. And again, going back to the thousand true fans, the correlation of the thousand true fans is that if your passion, your interest is even only appealing to one in a million people, one in a million people, they're still in a world of several billion, um, a thousand people who are potentially interested in what you're doing, or, or I mean, hugely interested. So that kind of weirdness has more of a, what's the word I want? It's more of a life now, has more, it's more sustainable because of a thousand true fans. The difficulty is finding them and having them find you, that connection, which we don't have good tools for right now. But at least you know that somewhere out there, um, there's liable to be a thousand other people who are as enthusiastic about whatever little niche thing that you are interested in. So your weirdness is actually an attribute. And it's attribute because as we, as things, as the barrier to entry lowers and lowers and people, like you were saying, making a book, it's very easy to produce a book. It's very hard to get people interested in it, to, to have their attention devoted to it. And so um, and so in that world where it's easy to produce things, it becomes harder and harder to be different, to be unique. And that's the second bit of advice I would say that's worth talking about, which is um, two things. One is if at all possible, you should try and work on something where there's no words for what it is, where it takes a long time to describe to your parents what it is that you're actually doing. That's a good sign because that suggests that you're kind of at the area where you're more likely to be doing something unique. And it's more likely that that's where the breakthroughs, that's where the breakthroughs always come. They always come from the edges where there's kind of no words for what it is that's happening. Imagine if you were doing this thing 15 years ago of doing something like radio. It's kind of like radio, but it's not really radio. It's sort of like an interview for a magazine, but it's not on a magazine. It's, we call it podcasting, all right? And so that would have been really hard to describe 15 years ago. And so, um, and that would have been a great time to be getting started. Um, there are things today where, again, uh, we don't even have good language for what it is that people are doing. Um, lots of stuff with AIs in that, you know, prompt engineering is one example of that. I, I follow some incredible people on Instagram. It's like, it's hard to even describe what it is that they're doing, but they're, they're going to do something. It's something they're just getting started in that whole new area. So that's the, the third and, and second thing. And the third thing I would say all related is um, don't aim to be the best. Aim to be the only. You really want to be doing something as much as possible that is 
unique to your set of talents and experiences in life. Because I think everybody has a different face and we have a different makeup of talents and experiences and genius and abilities. And your role and my role is to kind of do the things that nobody else can or will do. And that's a very, very high bar to reach. And it'll take most of your life, as it's taken most of my life, to even go in this direction. And it's not a destination. You never arrive. It's like an asymptote. You keep approaching it, but it's a direction that you go in. And you're always moving in this direction of trying to be the most authentic you, your best you, and uh, to fully become yourself. And so this, this, so, so doing something that has a name, that's a trod area that everybody knows, it's difficult, there's lots of competition, you're very unlikely to be completely suited to you, although it could be. So like a basketball star in the major leagues, it's like, that's a very, very tough place to be. That's someone else's success. You want to, as much as possible, invent a new way of being successful. And I think, again, those are high bars. It's really tough when you're just getting started to, to believe that. But I think that even when you're getting started, if you really understand that your weirdnesses and your differences are actually assets, whatever it is, your, your hurdles, your difficulties, the difficult situation you're in, your own unique um, personality, those are all assets. They're assets when you fully become yourself. And so you want to work through them because that's who you are. And you're not going to necessarily change too much about your own personality and experiences, but you can work through them to, to reach um, the most authentic you as possible. Kevin, I think that's a great uh, mic drop on our conversation today. That's a great way to end it there. Um, and, and all this, obviously, and other advice in excellent advice for living, wisdom I wish I'd known earlier. Um, there it is. I'm proud of it. Um, I hope it helps you. It's a wonderful gift. And if you have kids, by the way, older kids, they won't listen to you, but you can say, hey, this guy says it and you listen to him. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm giving it to my 10 year old. I'm going to have him uh, thumb through it. And we'll, right. we'll talk, Mark through, it up. we'll talk through some of those ideas, but Kevin, it's thank really you. Wonderful. So, yeah. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. It was really fun. And, um, uh, onward be the only. Hey everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.